WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. The Phoenicia Diner on Route 28 in Phoenicia for breakfast and lunch, locally sourced seasonal food and drink, and Phoenicia Diner's sister restaurant, Dixon Roadside, at the corner of Tinker Street and Dixon Avenue in Woodstock for modern twists on comfort food for lunch and dinner, local beers and craft cocktails, and catering for private events. PhoeniciaDiner.com and DixonRoadside.com. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and Northern Ulster counties, with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features, all in the Mountain Eagle. Rockland Cider Works upstate in Gilboa, an agritourism cidery with vacation rentals on a sprawling former dairy farm. Gluten-free hard cider made from 100% New York State apples. New York State produced beer, wine, and spirits. Rockland Cider Works upstate on Stryker Road in Gilboa. Rocklandciderworks.com. 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's. Designed as a space to support a vibrant and active artistic community nestled within the Catskill Mountains. Presenting Departures display of artistic works made in response to the pandemic by 24 New York artists, painting, sculptures, collage work, and photography on view through Sunday, March 12th at 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischman's, 1053mainngallery.com. This is Dan O'Connell, host of Monday Morning Music on WIOX Roxbury. As a WIOX spokesperson, I also manage underwriting for the station, And I'm here to let you know that underwriting on WIOX is a great way to support the station and inform the community about your business or service. If you'd like to become an underwriter, contact me for details at 607-326-3900 or WIOX at WIOXradio.org.
Good evening. You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20. On 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We talk about a different forest-related topic, usually with Ryan and John. Ryan's out, so it's uh, John and Zane tonight. Zane, what's going on? Hey, John. Uh, nothing much. Um, this weekend, I built my outdoor evaporator. Oh, yeah? Tis the season, right? First ever, yeah. Uh, How'd that go? It was interesting. Uh, I read a short booklet on it, uh, Backyard Sugarin' by Rink Man. Uh, there's a CFA copy of that at, at the office. But uh, flipped through that and got an idea of how to build one and built my own out of cinder blocks, bricks, uh, bought some pipes, uh, and uh, got some evaporator pans from Mike Porter, our board president. He was glad to uh, hand them to me. Cool. Yeah, he's uh, pretty proud of getting uh, people the maple bug and reinfecting new people every year. I think those pans have seen yeah. in many hands. <laughs> yeah, these are starter pans for many, many people, and they, uh, yeah, definitely well used. But it's all ready to go. It's all set, and I've been tapping up to eight trees where cool. I am right now. All right. They're running. You might get eight gallons of sap today, maybe oh. more, maybe uh, 16. Today could be closer to a two-gallon type day. Yeah, my, uh, my plan is to just collect throughout the week in a, a large Rubbermaid uh, trash can and uh, boil on the weekends. Yeah. Let's see what I can get. Cool. Um, hey, I suggest, you know, firing up every now and then after work and get that full experience of uh, being up late and <laughs> yeah. well, maybe boiling. Not yeah, no, it's that's what happens, though, man. It's just Ryan says it all the time. You always get a big run on a Wednesday when uh, right. we're here on WIOX on From the Forest and don't get home until 8 o'clock. <laughs> well, he's got his uh, sugar shack there. I'd just be out in the open. I'd just be me and the coyotes uh, burning, uh, boiling sap. You know, on a clear night, it's not bad. You, uh, you, you're going to need a uh, canopy of some sort, I would suggest. Mm -hmm. If you can borrow one from somebody, that would... That would be great because uh, eventually there's going to be a day where you need to boil and it's going to be raining. Mm. So, oh, I got to think about that. Ah, uh, you know, and you can do the Boy Scout method with a with a tarp, make a little make a little teepee, right? Hmm. Or, uh, like I said, borrow a pop up from somebody. Yeah. There's got to be some kicking around, like you know, in a basement over at a certain place <laughs> yeah where i am is like an old barn it's an old property and uh there's a lot of scrap things around so that's what i've been kind of uh rummaging through to get what i need but, yeah what do you got for burning uh, burning material sounds like you may not have been prepared for uh <laughs> cutting wood right no i all my wood is seasoning so i won't be burning it for uh, uh for boiling but um i have some scrap wood a lot of scrap material unseasoned wood um that's around, but uh, that should go up pretty quickly. But I've asked you if I can borrow or use some of your sapwood. Yeah, I don't care. Go for it. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not boiling this year. Um, other reasons. My time is taken for this season. So, uh, which is fine. We kind of, you know, we got we got plenty of syrup left over from last year. So I tapped one tree, just for the liquid, just the liquid gold to drink. Right. And uh, you know I've got all my got all my jars, so I think I'm actually gonna uh, gonna can it. But, you know maybe in July I just want to drink sap. 
What? Who's the, I don't know anybody that does that. So I have all my jars that are normally normally designated for syrup that aren't going to get filled. I'll fill them with sap. Nice. So uh, that's my plan. But yeah, for uh, you can you can have sapwood. Here's the thing though. So sapwood. The reason why I'm I'm willing to give it away. It's not like housewood. It's not going to get better. It's mm. like it's one of those woods that's kind of marginal. And I've never experienced this firsthand. But Mike Porter, who's very experienced, he told me it just doesn't last. Like it doesn't have the same quality after it sits an extra year. Right. Uh, we're talking things like uh, I'm going to give you is Norway spruce, white pine, and aspen. So all these light, hot, fast-burning white woods that I believe in. They'll probably break down a little bit and not be as good next year. So out with the old, and I'll cut new for this year, and you can have it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my plan is just to get a truckload from you. But uh, property where I'm at, too, there's a lot of older uh, pines that have kind of fallen down and and uh, they're upright, but so they've been just sitting there, the barks off of them, and I, I've yet to go out there and kind of cut them up and drag them out. But I imagine those might be pretty good too. Yeah, um, I know of people that have gone and limbed up pine that have those those dead and dying branches that stay attached. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know people that have done that, so maybe you can utilize that. But yeah, I mean, don't be afraid of hardwoods too. It's your first year. It's it's like I mean, those light woods we're talking about, those mm -hmm. aspen and. That's what's ideal, but burn what you got. Um, pallets, if you can find a, a supplier right. of, of pallets, maybe uh, I don't know, maybe somebody like Waddlers or other uh, other uh, you know big stores that are Brookside. high volume of shipments coming in. When a pallet breaks, they don't have, they're not going to fix it. Right. You know, I, I've burned uh, burned pallets before. They're easy because you cut them up. Uh, there's a row of nails down each side in the middle, and so you just run your chainsaw. I set it upright, run your chainsaw right. down on the on two ends, and all of a sudden the whole thing falls apart in three sections. It's big enough to throw in your evaporators. Nice. So it burns hot and fast, and you don't care about the nails because it's it's right. it's in the ash. You can just make sure you don't shovel them in your driveway. <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of those in what I'm burning now, but uh, I'm also looking at opportunities for next year. One of the uh, sugar maples I'm tapping has a big aspen next to it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking to get permission from uh, uh, my landlord if I can take that down. I'll give you a deal. How about this? If uh, if you take all my wood, I've got a stand of aspen that uh. needs to come down that I know about near my house. And uh, if, for for letting me, you know, letting you have all my wood, if you help me cut next year, uh, we'll we'll have both our fills. There's plenty there. Do you? All right. Yeah. Let's it's do it. it's it's around a barn and uh yeah they're gonna encroach the barn i've got permission to take all i want awesome definitely more there than i'm gonna use so all right well tonight is kind of related to sapwood we're actually going to be talking um talking in defense of firewood talking about firewood um originally uh this show was was uh prepped by ryan he had a few things that he wanted to touch on so i'm going to save those ideas for him to discuss when he's back on the show maybe we'll try to do this subject again uh, later in the season or maybe next year so um a little more tailored to uh, we're going to talk about myself and zane's processing of wood our experiences or trials and tribulations and also the whys and that's going to the whys of why we burn wood might get a little more into you know ryan's topic of in defense of wood over other burning um but zane so this is your first year yeah i have full disclosure i've never used a wood stove never burned wood never did it growing up uh we just had a a, a furnace um 
and uh, in my home growing up, and yeah. So why now? What got you into this? Well, it was uh, it came with the the place I'm renting. It was brand new, put in. It's a, a Regency wood insert, insert. Um, and so I had to go through the process of seasoning this. Um, some wood was left on the property that I used, but I had to buy cords um, to burn, and it was uh, something I always wanted to do. I when I started at CFA, you guys talked about burning wood all the time, and uh, I know it was something that a lot of people do in this region, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to learn and be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the reason why you see wood stacks on many properties, more than 50% of what I drive by has got some form of wood, you know, not all of them are heating fully, but uh, year round with them, but as a primary heat source, but you always see a stack of wood somewhere. Mm. And that's because it's cheap, right? It's cheap and we're in the forest. It's abundant. Um, I don't, I haven't seen this, but Ryan tells me he's driven, uh, elsewhere in like Kentucky and Virginia and you don't see that anymore. Uh, there's no wood and <clears throat> it's not like, the, like they're not forested there. They, they have abundant supply, but, um, what's replaced it is other cheap, uh, you know, cheap sources of heat. They're, they're, uh, most houses in those regions are, uh, able to tap into some type of natural gas pipeline, which the Catskills mm -hmm. doesn't have. So it is the only cheap heat that's, uh, abundant and available for us. So that's why you see it all around. Um, yeah, I have, I've had experience with wood stoves my entire life my my father had one in his house my entire life our hunting camp has one that's our only source of heat in camp um my first or my college rental house for three years had a wood stove my first rental out of college had one and then the shortest time of my life was two years and my second rental outside of college did not have one so only two years of my life have I not been around a wood stove, and now my own home that I own, I've, I've got a wood stove in there. So, yeah, I mean, it, for you, having used it all your life, it, it's a pattern that you're used to. For me, it was a pattern that I, I had to learn. It, you know, it, it's it's fuel that you have to burn. You have to constantly feed the wood stove uh, daily uh, during these cold periods. So it, it's something that you have to think about long-term think ahead prepare for to make it easy on yourself otherwise you're going to be running around and exhausted and it's not going to be much fun so what you're describing is uh you know well it's it's a it's a way of life yeah firewood is a way of life it's not it's not just flipping a switch and having no idea i mean i know all the work that goes into firewood but i don't know all the work that goes into the fuel oil that is delivered to my truck i know the guy that delivers it that's about it mm -hmm. maybe he can tell me where he picked it up at the port of wherever um that's about it um so other fuels there has to be a long change of chain of labor involved i'm sure it's hard work to get it but i can't relate to it the the word uh you know uh, alienation comes to mind with this you know electricity is just connected to our house gas just comes in we don't really know where these things are being made exactly uh but wood, you know, you're you're always there. It's always at hand. It's something that you have to do yourself. Um, so you're you're connected to it. That I I think that's pretty neat. Well, and that's one of the reasons why it's it's attractive. It, I mean, there is a romanticism around this as well. Right. That's why you know, it is nice to just. Sit. Why do we like to sit around a campfire? You know, why do we like to light a um, a fireplace on the holidays for the family? It's not that it's like a 
an efficient thing to do. It's a warm ambiance. But mm -hmm. a wood stove, you know, you really immerse yourself with the whole process. And there could be, you know, bigger, you know, bigger goals in mind rather than just that stick in the stove, right? Mm -hmm. um, forest management, um, a lot, habitat management, a lot comes to mind there. But um, I recommend it. If you're not burning wood in some fashion, you know, do it. Just try it. I mean, a lot of houses have, you know, an ability of some fashion. I, I, you know, even new houses getting built seems like they have a, a wood stove insert installed at, at the time they build them, things like that. But not all of them. But, um, yeah. So, so I guess Zane, outside looking in, what was the big attraction? More in depth, and you know, you heard us talking about it, and it sounded fun. Big attraction, I think, was just the the uh uh i guess the, the the pattern to it just uh being able to uh you know not be able to just turn it on you have you have to to uh, fill it you have to light it um you have to burn it efficiently you have to make sure that the heat is radiating radiating out in a way that, that it's comfortable and um you know ryan talked about it being it's like a uh bell curve you know wood stoves you you feed it 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 starts to burn um and then it peaks and then it goes down from there so you have to be ready when it subsides to get it going again or putting wood on overnight so when you do go to bed it'll still be warm in the morning and using those coals uh rather than lighting a whole new fire um the quality of your wood that you're using seasoned wood um the shape of the pieces um and uh for me, I bought two cords of wood um, and had them delivered and dumped, and so I had to figure out, okay, where am I going to put these pieces of wood where they're out of the way, but uh, that they're still accessible, um, that they're not going to fall over, where can they dry, uh, I have to think about what I have to cover them with. So it was this whole kind of uh, problem, you know, somebody dumps a pile of wood on your property, now you have a problem, you have to think about uh, how to uh, uh deal with that so that was very interesting to me um and then uh going into the woods and and felling trees uh for uh seasoning for the future that was very interesting um so using those skills and and figuring out how to do it in a way where i wasn't you know, you know taking pains to do it that i was actually enjoying the work doing it in small pieces um coming back to it every weekend and doing it um, just getting ready for uh, the next season of, so yeah, I like that. It's it's you're thinking about the future and just making things easier on yourself. It's it's kind of like money in the bank, right? And uh, with firewood, like money, you can you can win big, and uh, you can it'll gain interest over time, uh, mm -hmm. or you can kind of handle your money wrong, and it can be a big pain in the butt, and you could lose out something could have been the opportunity cost of something else could have been better right um the average price of fuel oil in ulster county around this time is 494 and delaware is 473 so just under five bucks a gallon the average total gallons used uh per household in new york is 718 gallons a year so that's about 3500 dollars per household on average right now to heat uh, a house in this region okay would you buy your quarter wood for if i ask uh 250 250 perfect that's the average that i have written on this sheet right here so yeah. you bought it right at the middle <laughs> 
I've heard higher, so you did all right. Um, <clears throat> so two fifty a cord. The average house can with a with a modern efficient stove can uh, heat an average size home for f about four cords. So um, yeah, you're talking you know you're talking half the cost mm -hmm. um, or better uh, if you're buying wood. Um, you have to figure in what's your time worth if you're cutting it yourself. Is buying it the right option? You know, could you be if it takes you, I remember when I was, uh, I sold firewood for a short time, you know, just to get some college mm -hmm. cash money. Um, did about 10 to 30 cords a summer, depending on the summer. And uh, I could have going from tree to split and on the truck ready for delivery a cord of wood in three hours. I got pretty efficient with my systems. And uh, so what's, you know, what's three hours of your time worth? You know, what could you be doing elsewhere? Could you maybe make more than that, more than the $250? And maybe you can go to work for three hours and uh, pay for that wood and be better off. But there's a lot more to it, though. Um, yeah, those things you mentioned, you know, like uh, if it means creating habitat, cutting down uh, a tree that has defects or uh, uh, something in it that would um, be worth taking out of the forest and promoting something else, there's another benefit there. So my house, it uh, sits on five acres, but it's, it's about split 50-50, open and not. There's a power line corridor going through it, so that's non-forested, right? Uh, I measured it on the map earlier today. I've got 2.28 forested acres, so two and a quarter, hmm. call it. Two and a quarter acres that's forested. I've been there three. This is my third winter. We closed on the house January 15th, 2020, so right on the three-year mark. I estimate my impact on me cutting for I have very deliberate reasons for cutting a tree in my forest. Uh, we can talk about all those in a minute, but uh, I've made it through roughly, I would say just under 25%. Call it 25% <laughs> in three years of how I'm systematically moving through this woodlot, doing nothing but firewood management, um, taking out the trees that I cut. So it's going to take me another rounding up, you know, with that quarter, rounding up, call it uh, 10 years to get through my woodlot. Uh, so say my woodlot has a, a 10 to 15-year cycle, 12-year cycle. Um, man, I'm realizing that I can cut enough wood to heat my home and not negatively, only positively benefit my forest uh, and, and two in two and a quarter acres. Can you believe that? I wow. didn't. I didn't. I've, I've heard people talk like this, but and every woods is different. The age of the forest, your management strategy, their reasonings for cutting right. trees, how aggressive you're cutting, uh, all those things go into go into play here. But um, yeah, I didn't realize that I can be sustaining my home. In the truest sense of the word, sustaining my home on wood heat uh, fully on two and a quarter acres. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way you said it, I mean, it's, well. So what am I doing? I've got, I've got about, on two and a quarter acres, you can count every tree, right? Mm -hmm. I've got 60 tappable sugar maple that I want to... Have I'm not saying I'm going to tap them all. I want the ability to tap them all, and I want them in their prime. 
So that means crop tree release around each sugar maple. So that's assess going around every single tree, assessing the crowns on each one, and deciding uh, if the competing tree next to it is uh, shading it out. Is it as good or better than my designated crop tree? So I haven't even got to the sugar maple yet because I'm on the oaks. <laughs> I've got six broad spreading crown you know beautiful you walk into any woods and see those trees you're like holy cow those are nice oaks um they rained down acorns this last year so first i'm doing a full release on the oaks and that's where i'm stuck i haven't even made it past the oaks yet they're not even done i'll finish them next year um in between there's uh, about a half a dozen black cherry and actually a few uh, red maple that just have beautiful stems. They, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll cut them down for a saw log and make a beautiful piece of furniture out of them. But for now, they're staying. They're the crop trees, and anything in between is is up for uh, subject for uh, you know evaluation. Maybe I'll cut it. Maybe I won't. But in doing so, I've cut white ash. I've cut American beech. I've cut red maple. I've cut red oak. I've cut sugar maple. Um, I have cut hop hornbeam. I've cut musclewood. I th think that might be all the species I've cut on my land. But it's pretty fun, man. It's it's really cool to be able to have your hand on on management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of those decisions I've made, I've I've opened up some apple trees on uh, the property where I am, cutting down ash. Um, some hawthorn as well. Um, I don't know if that's good firewood or not, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to cut it up the way I do the ash and uh, stack it and see uh, how it burns. Hawthorn? I mean, holy cow. It's got it. Mean, it's dense. I know that. So it's probably got a high BTU value out of it. But man, again, that display, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it very easy. Oh, yeah. Well, try I'll it. figure it out. Tell me how it goes. So if it's anything like the hop horn beam that I just dealt with, um, I I actually just I cut the tree because it was interfering with the oak. I thought I would use it. I couldn't get a I couldn't get a anything to split it. Mm. I don't have a wood splitter. It's all me. It's all the the Armstrong, you know, model nineteen ninety three. And uh I couldn't do anything with it. I cut it last year, I let it sit. And I just walked away from it. This weekend, when I was splitting other wood in the, in the forest, I uh, came back to it. I noticed the the round sitting there, and they were about nine, ten inches in diameter. It was a it was a sizable hop horn beam. They usually don't get that big. Um, I took a swing at it; it pops apart in half like nothing. I took a swing at another one; pops apart in half. So, the trick with hop horn beam it's it's the stringiest, worst wood when it's green. Uh, the mall wants to bounce off of it, but uh, if you let it sit a year, I found that it's it's just fine. Huh. Maybe I'll try that with the Hawthorne. Yeah, uh, so that could be the same thing. Um, anyway, if you're tuning in, this is from the forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. We talk about a different forest-related topic on ninety-one point three FM WYOX. <laughs> Things were kind of bad We had to heat our house with the wood It was all the heat we had Couldn't afford the price of coal Like our rich neighbors could 
so I spent my happy childhood bliss in the woodshed chopping wood. It took one old mule, two good men, one old cross-cut saw to feed that smoking monster when she began to draw. Mornings in the winter time we like to nearly froze, cause every dawn the fire be gone in the old wood burning stove. Talking about the good old days in the old wood burning stove. a crude joke, but the price of oil has gotten mighty high, and like the smoke from that old stove, it's headed to the sky, now just like in the good old days, I'm back in the hardwood grove, cutting, sawing, chopping wood for an old wood burning stove, now I'm back in the good old days in the old wood burning stove, now I'm back in the good old days in the old wood burning stove. Okay, you're listening to WIOX 91.3 FM. Uh, this is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. And tonight, Zane and John are on the air. We're talking uh, in defense of firewood. There's a lot of heat sources out there. Uh, but you know what? Catskill Mountain Gold next to maple syrup is wood. It's abundant. It's cheap. Everyone's got it. Um, you know, I guess if you're paying for labor and getting it delivered you're fighting labor costs and fuel um price of fuel is not cheap for that truck to drive to your house and dump it but the actual wood itself is relatively cheap um yeah anyway we were talking uh kind of talking my process my woods yeah um you were uh kind of planning ahead with uh with your own management and uh promoting uh future trees oaks and sugar maples um yeah it's uh i guess what i wanted to ask what you meant by you you work through 25 percent of uh those uh crop crop tree releases that you were doing and how much of that wood that you cut down is still in the mm -hmm. forest how much of that is out split ready to burn yeah that's a good question so so what i so I've been working at this for three years. I started with ash, right? Because um, fear of emerald ash pour. My area isn't really getting hit hard right now, mm. but it's lingering. It's around, and I'm getting that out first. So that's what I did the first one or year and a half. You know, year one, so year one, year two, year three. So year one was ash uh, behind the garage in the woods. If it was an ash tree, it was getting cut because uh, there was nothing else to do with it. I didn't mm. want to get it be lost. So that was the, my first management task of the property. And that was, I need, I need three and a half cords. I consistently am burning three and a half cords and I've been there three years. I know what I need. Three and a half cords gets me through my winter. We, I would say we heat 95% with, with 
would he? The only time it's the other 5% is because we're not there, and I turn the electric baseboard on for the weekend if we go away. Uh, you know, I do go away on the weekend every now and then. I <laughs> oh, deserve it. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's our primary heat source. Um, so now what I'm doing is, is I'm going through my woodlot. Picture a rectangle. It's two and a quarter acres. I'm moving east to west. So on the long side of the rectangle, I'm moving from right to left. I've made it through about 25% of that rectangle. And all I've been doing is picking my crop trees, those ones with for the you know, the reasons I describe, either they're uh, an oak tree that's going to produce acorns, uh, nuts for wildlife, or a sugar maple I'm hoping to tap one day. I'm evaluating tree by tree the keepers. And then if it's not a keeper, I'm not saying I'm cutting it down. I'm saying it's up for discussion. Mm. I might cut it down. There's other factors that go into it. Um, if it's got a poor crown, dead and dying top, uh, you know, Q-tip crown that is just a tuft of branches in the overstory, that's a firewood tree. It's coming down. It's got a long stem. Um, and in my age, wood lot, they're in the perfect size for firewood. They're 9 to 14 inches in diameter. Mm. I say that's perfect because I know after doing all, you know, cutting firewood all those years, it's about 12 trees per cord of that size range at 60 feet tall, which they're going to be about 60, 70 feet tall in that diameter per cord. So 12 of those trees per cord. Um, so you were asking how many, I mean, I need, I need three and a half cords. So that's uh, about 40 to 45 trees per year. Um, yeah, it's not a lot when you're talking a semi-dense forest. I mean, and, and, and you can hardly even tell I've done, done any work. So those trees come down. Um, I, I cut them and I split them right there. I block them. I split them right in the forest. I know a lot of people that either drag them out or they block them and then they put them in some type of cart or a tractor bucket or a pickup truck and haul them out of the woods. I've, I've figured out and I've decided again, after doing firewood for, for some cash, I, uh, I, I learned how to be most efficient. And if you want to be efficient, you don't handle it. You, you handle it as little as possible. I think that's where people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, they go and cut it and then they go and get it. And then they have their staging area or whatever that they go dump it. And then from there they, they split it and then they, they, they stack it, but maybe it's in the way there and they stack it again or, or the stack the first time isn't where they're going to uh, efficiently be able to move it into the house. So in the fall, they move the stack that's in the staging area to the house and they stack it there and then they move it the last time into the house. So it's, it's so common to see people moving their wood three to five times or handling that wood three to five times before it reaches a stove. I found that you have to handle it twice. There's no way to do it without handling it twice. It's just a mathematical That's the universal constant. It's, it's not going to go from the forest to the wood stove without handling it twice. Uh, and being able to stack it and dry it. I guess if you had a way to get it dry in the woods and you walked and hiked your butt up into the woods every day and got your wood and put it in the stove, that's, that's once. But that's impractical. So twice. So what I do is I cut it and I spray I block it. I split it right where the tree lays. And a lot of times I process a whole one of those trees uh, in, in an evening after work sometimes. Like now, there's an hour of daylight left when I get home from work usually. So I can go do that. 
Oh, that's why this time of year is perfect. I vowed to to never break a sweat. A dripping, disgusting, <laughs> like cardio type workout sweat ever again doing firewood. It's just it's not a cardio activity. You know, it's a strength building. It's a low, slow endurance thing, right? And I, I applaud, you know, you utilizing firewood as your exercise. I do. It's one of the reasons why I don't need a gym membership. You know, from November to to now, it's firewood season, man. It's like perfect. Anything that's twenty to forty five degrees is firewood. It's perfect because you can go out with a light pair of gloves and a sweatshirt, and you're not going to be breaking a dripping sweat. I don't mean you, you're not going to sweat. It's a good thing to sweat, but just like that disgusting summertime July. Don't do it. It's the worst. Firewood sucks. Can suck. That's right. when it sucks. Yeah, that was one of the joys I discovered was splitting wood outside in a relatively cool day, and I went out there with a you know, sweatshirt, a layer, and pretty soon I just was in a t-shirt, and I felt great. Splitting wood, it was the sun was out, slight breeze, and it, I would have been cold if I was just standing there doing nothing, but it was a great day. That's perfect time to do wood, man, and, and I also recommend don't do it in a big shot i know so many people that either get a load of logs delivered or whatever but they make a firewood weekend or a firewood day and mm. it's usually on some warm balmy september day or or august day when they realize crap i haven't done my wood yet winter's coming i better get better get on this they're not well prepared they don't have a full year ahead and it's not seasoned anyway they go out there and they decide you know what honey you know, let's uh, clear the calendar. We're doing a firewood weekend. And the whole family gets involved. Someone's running the wood splitter. Dad's out there with the chainsaw. And oh, wow. It sucks, <laughs> man. I've been a part of that stuff. I know from experience. It's awful, awful work. And it sucks. So just go out there and make it not sucky. It's supposed to be, I mean, for me, firewood's fun, enjoyable, like you just described. I love doing it. I did it. I did some yesterday. I go up there. I work for about an hour. Think of what you what do you do with the gym? You're not there for vet that long. I mean, I'm not a gym guy, but you're not there for like three hours a day. You're crazy if you are. You have no time, or you have you're not doing other things that's more important in your life. <laughs> pick, pick pick an activity like today is. I hear people gym people say, "Well, today's leg day." Yeah. Today's <laughs> yeah. you know I can yep. understand that. They're like they're picking what's 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 efficient today. They're gonna work at it for an hour. They're gonna go home and move on with their life. I do the same thing with firewood. I'm picking these, these, today is these three trees. I'm cutting them down, I'm blocking them up, and I'm splitting them, and they're laying there. That's it. That's, that's the end of the process today. I don't, because for me, and I recommend for anybody, get a year ahead, you're, so that way you're not trying to rush and burn unseasoned wood. It really, wood takes a year, but it really takes two years. It's two mm -hmm. years better wood. You're going to get better higher BTUs, you're going to burn less wood because you get more heat value per stick of wood you're putting in the stove. So the wood that I'm cutting now is for 2025. Uh, so if it lays on the forest floor and gets snow on it tomorrow, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm going to deal with that. That's the next step. Don't worry about it. Moldering. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not indefinite. Up. It's not, um, you know, it's not, I'm not going to go out there in July and expect it to be in its prime. Right. It's it's just I'm in cutting, blocking, and splitting today, and that's what I'm doing for this month. Normally, I'd be sugaring. I'm ahead of the game. This is my, like, March activity I'm describing. But um, 
Sometimes I go out and cut all. Actually, sometimes I go out and cut all my trees in like November, December, mm-hmm. just for the deer. Let mm-hmm. them eat, eat the tops. So a lot of times my trees are on the ground. But anyway, so I'm going out and uh, later on I'll go collect it. So I have a spot where I stack this wood to dry. And my process is, I have a I have a four wheeler, a UTV, right? It's got a little bed on the back. Not everybody has that. You don't have to. Have, a wheelbarrow would work the same. You can go cheap with this. But I have one, uh, and then I also have a dog that has a lot of energy that dog likes to run the mm. dog also likes to chase the atv around all right that's awesome i drive up in the woods i get a load of wood i drive back down every day the dog needs to go for a run i go for three four five trips after work bring home a, a, a bed of that atv you know worth of wood which is about two wheelbarrow loads times four a day times five days a week in two weeks time i've got my three and a half cords at the house, stacked, and again, I didn't break a sweat. It took me an hour each day. It's, it wasn't a big deal. It was just part of what I like to do. Yeah, so going back to uh, uh, not moving the wood too much, I guess I would I would uh, fall into the latter category that you well, were you're talking a about. So, yeah, <laughs> so th- this is my thing. So the a lot of the trees that were originally cut were cut through game of logging through CFA. So members came to the property and cut these trees down. So they're just lying in the woods. And uh, so I went up there and cut them up into the lengths I needed. Uh, but I hauled them out with my truck. It's about 250 yards away from uh, where I uh, want these. Uh, so you're the staging area guy. Yes. So okay. I. So I, you just did 50% <laughs> more moving, right? You were at, the minimum was two. Half of two is one. You're at three now, minimum. So you're at 50% more moving wood effort than I am. Right. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm you know, high in the sky. I'm just saying if, you, if the goal is to be efficient, which my goal is, um, just because I like doing wood, but I also like planting trees. I also like other things that come in April and May. I, I need to be done at a certain time. Firewood mm-hmm. needs to end. <laughs> And if it draws out forever and I'm always moving wood or always doing, I'm always stuck on one process, it will never end. And then I'll be the guy out there in July sweating his butt off, stacking wood in July. Anyway, continue. Well, <laughs> uh, I like the landing here. I, I think it's neat just because I have one there. Um, there's not a lot of areas where I'm staying that are level. Um, so splitting wood on a hill, I imagine, is not Oh, my woods aren't level. I mean, I mean, I... I I know your property. You have steeper portions of your property than I have. But the area I, I was there, we cut those trees that day. Mm-hmm. That's similar to my land. In that spot, you don't need level ground. And what happens is everything kind of just like flows into a spot. You end up with a pile of wood. It's not like wood just like, you know, even distribution all over your forest floor. <laughs> yeah, the way I see it, I mean, if, if, I, if I split all that wood there, I'm still going to have to get out of the woods. I'm still going to have to get my truck back up in there somehow. So you need no. a way to get it. And, right. and for me, I have that ATV with a bed on it, and it's perfect right. for moving wood. Other people, you know, if you have an access to a pickup truck, that's the same. Or if it's a short enough distance to your house, a wheelbarrow would work fine. Yes, um, I'm, I'm kind of being idyllic here. You know, I have a good situation worked out. Yeah, I mean, bringing it to the staging area, I like that. But I, if I had to, but what I do think about is where that wood's going to sit for the next two years. Right. And I do not ever want to be in the position where I'm moving firewood that I've already stacked. So that's something I gave thought to, and I thought about uh, where the sun's going to hit it, where it's going to get that the most of the benefit for seasoning. So that's Good. right next to the landing area. It just so happened to be so, and 
uh, I moved into this place uh, last year in September. I ordered uh, the wood to be delivered, those two cords, I think at the end of November. Um, and now, just by uh, taking trees um, out of the woods on the property I am, um, I'm almost at four cords of wood that I've stacked. Great. That's That sounds like a year's worth of wood. So that's stuff that I can just leave there for two years, and now I'm two years uh, uh, ahead, kind of, essentially. It, it sucks to do it, but only sucks once, because right. every year after that, you only need to cut one year of replacement wood. Absolutely, yeah. uh, And I know, I mean, I think Ryan, he's on the three-year program, and that's great. Um, once you get into that, three-year plus, you can burn things that's super, super dense, doesn't like to release moisture, uh, high BTU wood. Um, he says his favorite's black locust. I've never had the opportunity, but I would love to try it one day. But yeah, I, I imagine that takes a while to season. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, you mentioned in the sun for stacking. Um, definitely going to speed up the process of drying. My spot, I found my ideal spot on my property is uh, it's at the southwest-facing aspect of, of, of my yard area where I want to stack. Um, it's got to be in an area that's efficient to bring wood to the house in the wintertime. You're not going to go walk 100 yards out to the middle of the field. or are not going to want to mm. on whatever it was last Saturday at negative 14 with the wind blowing to go get your bundle of wood. That sucks. Um, so it's, it's within a, you know 20 yard, 20 steps from my house. It's facing the sun in the afternoon, hot, scorching sun that I don't want to do firewood in. It's there at that time getting mm. baked but it's also in uh facing the the prevailing wind of the valley so there's constant breeze flowing through it that's going to help try it out too it's only covered on the top uh so that breeze can access the wood you don't want to tarp the whole thing and, and trap that moisture in and for me i've got a metal sided pole barn garage that is awesome for stacking wood you don't want to stack it up next like against it because then that mm -hmm. airflow can't move but if you come out two three four feet and then stack all your rows past that i found that that tin can of the metal siding reflects so much oh, yeah. radiant heat that i've never put a thermometer on my wood pile but i guarantee you it's it's 120 degrees every summer day just baking and it's kind of like killing dried wood right so uh another thing i'm working on because uh three or four of those trees that were or that were down that day were oak trees so i uh, left those there because i had a different plant for those so at a later date i ended up taking those out uh and stacking them in a separate area because there's a certain perfect area on the property where i am where i want to build one of those honeycomb type one of those uh, guys yeah so this is uh this is like a structure i think it's called a holzhaugen i believe it's a danish uh way of stacking wood such that um, you create this uh, hollow center, basically a chimney. So during the, the day that hot air warms up and it uh, rises and it draws cool air in from the bottom. So you're actually like baking that wood uh, in a way, like an open air. So it looks like this kind of uh, honeycomb structure, like a pillbox, I guess. I've heard of it. I've never tried it. Um... Neither have I. So I, I I see people doing it, and I'm sure it's it's highly recommended. Here's what I have to say about that, and this comes from oh, Ryan. Boy. This is almost a direct quote from <laughs> quote from Ryan. Don't get fancy with anything you're gonna burn. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I get it, I get it, but like, I 
I think it's oak, so I know it's going to be at least two years, maybe three years, going to be sitting there. I might as well make it beautiful, you know. I get it. I get it. Um, I from I don't think you're going to realize the the gain that that it it's advertising uh, in the time frame that you're going to stack it anyway. You can get the same dryness just by doing a regular stack in a three-year time frame it may it may dry it faster in the beginning i'm sure it does it sounds like it would but you're not going to realize those gains because you're not going to plan on burning this for two to three years anyway right but there's an aesthetic component and you got an aesthetic component and you know it's that may be true but i want to see it i want to do it i mean i I, know i I i'm just speculating and i tried it and i have never done it i'm just being totally you know spectacle or I, I have no experience here, but it, it's all I. It's all uh, it's all red oak, um, and I can't wait to split. That's something that I I'm gonna I stacked the rounds. Oh, you set. haven't split it yet? Nope. Oh, that's gonna be the, the spring. You test. are gonna you're gonna want to only cut red oak. Yeah, that's why I, I heard that. So that's why I'm gonna set that aside for for something to do in the spring. All right, I've said it before. I'm gonna say it again. Ash is like seems to be the holy grail that people talk about splitting red oak it blows it out of the water no one talks about red oak ash is oh is good i mean i'm not it's better than okay it's it's it splits it splits well i mean it's very consistent well but if you get an open grown tree or anything with any branches that's really any tree but it, it, it sticks together but every now and then like every third piece of ash you hit it you hit it just like the one before and it's supposed to be consistently easy, and it's not. It get the 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 splitting axe goes three quarters of the way through it and hangs up, and then you gotta put the axe down. You gotta pop it apart with your hands, and then you just broke. You know, you broke your stride. It's like a swimmer, like it's having to stop and stop to take a break, to take a breath rather. You know, you can't break that stride. Versus red oak, man, it's just like pow pow. It just pops apart so consistently good. And they're all like that. I mean, yeah, you give me a knotty piece of anything, it's going to be hard. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excluding those out of any species. I'm just talking about like the stem that you look at it and you look and you think that's going to be good. Ash every now and then has that piece. And it's like, ah. man, red maple's underrated too. Red maple pops apart. I, yeah, I have been splitting that as well. Especially green, like red maple, like split it the the minute you fell it, like it is really pops apart. Sugar maple is the opposite. Sugar maple, you got to let it either sit a week or let it freeze solid. I was mm. splitting rock solid frozen sugar maple that was already blocked uh, the other day, and that stuff explodes. I think it's because of the moisture, high moisture content in there. It just sends a shock wave through. You don't have anybody standing on either side of you because it's going to send pieces towards the shins and break some legs so in terms of splitting wood uh you have a big pile of wood there and you kind of i don't know use your foot or something to to fish one out and you get it stood up do you uh is that another is there principles there as well do you trying not to bend over as much trying to use your feet trying to use the the axe head to move pieces of wood around yeah i mean i've i've yeah but this also goes back to like timing you know I'm not going to wear myself out in the hour I'm working. Don't go too long. I mean, if you go three three hours, four hours, you're going to be like, I don't wow. want. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. I'm gonna. I'll get to that the next day or the next day. And all of a sudden, it's been two weeks. You're like, crap. 
I lost my lost my uh, weather window, and now it's getting hot mm. and humid. And sucks. Anyway, um, you know, you gotta bend over. Mm. It's just just the way it is. But um, again, I try not to handle it too much because it's just inefficient. But yeah, just tip them up on end. Um, you gotta want something underneath them. So um, that's the downfall of cutting and, and splitting in the woods. Uh, when you have a central point, that's you could you ask. could use a central stump or whatever you got underneath it. Me, I've got a splitting axe. I don't have a splitting maul, and this is where I differed from what Ryan did. And he recommended the Grand Forks Brooks, and it's the I've used one. It's the best He's splitting axe them. ever. Yeah. It's awesome, or the best splitting maul ever. I believe it. But on my method, I just know that I might I might miss, or I might I might. You know, it might not be a perfect situation because I'm not in a central spot. Mm-hmm. So I went with the cheaper one. It still wasn't cheap. It was like, I don't know, 80, 85 bucks at mm-hmm. the time. But it's great. It's the Fiskars, the splitting axe. Um, and I don't feel bad just going to town, right? So I work around the stump first. And then sometimes I'll tip a block on end, put another block on top of it. There's usually an off cut somewhere because I'm, you know, they don't all come out perfect. Right, right. You could slip that under. Or you know what? If you're just in soft forest ground, eventually you get a rhythm. You kind of you don't really go wailing through them all to stick that axe head four inches into the dirt. Right. You just kind of get that popping rhythm I was talking about, and and uh, I just go to town. You know, I don't I don't care about my axe head as much. I sharpen it every now and then. I don't go to. That's where I'm at. Right, so you're not worried about hitting a rock or a stone that might have been. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't like when it happens. I try oh, to yeah. avoid it, but I'm also not going to cry. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of my deal. I don't really have a. And uh, when you get those popping species like red oak and green red maple, you can almost take golf swings at it on its side, and not even have to tip it up. Watch your ankles. You got to get good at this. I wouldn't recommend for uh, anybody. But oh, if you're I've... feeling if you're feeling spicy, just just keep taking golf swings and you can just pop them apart on end uh, horizontally. Yeah, I've uh, I've yeah experimented with that. I've had a huge pile of logs at, at the landing, and sometimes I take some off. Sometimes I, I work at some that have just naturally propped themselves up in the pile or, or at, at an angle where I think they can take an axe swing, and I uh, you know watch my footing, and it works. The risk is if you hit it the side, it can deflect that axe head towards right. towards your feet. So that is that. Don't do it. I'm just saying on the air. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Full disclaimer. But anyway, this is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight, we're on defensive wood. We, uh, you know, we burn wood in our homes, and we're kind of talking about our methods. Uh, Zane, is there anything, something that just struck out to you that you didn't realize with a wood stove that now you do, and you're like, whether it was an aha moment that seemed so obvious or something that more in-depth that you just didn't know, now you do? Uh, using your intuition, you know, you can read the manual and they'll tell you how to burn wood, ha. how to use it efficiently. <laughs> ha ha ha. Well, the wood varies, right? The wood varies and, uh, yeah, uh, how well it's seasoned, um, uh, how, how well you're letting it kind of char before you kind of shut the door, close the damper. In my case, I have this catalytic combustor that i've been working with that's pretty interesting hmm. um the whole science behind that is, is really interesting to me um so just getting 
learning it that way, no, knowing when you're burning wood efficiently, that, that you're not uh, uh, wasting wasting it, I guess. Starting with seasoned wood, um, getting it going, and then knowing when to close the door, uh, lower the damper, and then go to bed. And you wake up, and there's still uh, embers there. And every stove is going to be different. Every stove in every house is going to be. You could go, you can move tomorrow and be like, holy cow, this new house has the exact same stove, the exact same model as the old house. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And it could suck in that house or just not be as good or it could be better. Uh, things are different in each home. And, yeah, it takes some getting used to. So I, I found joy in that. I found, yeah, just using, it's like, it's you know it when you see it. And like, oh, that, that looks good. You get that, what Ryan's called that pyrolysis. You get it when that... Those uh, flames are just kind of licking the top. The, uh, last, ga- the gases are burning off. Yeah, yeah. so last night uh, it was uh, me and my wife uh, were watching it, um, and it was the it was burning, um, and there was a small little blue flame that was coming up, and then all of a sudden that would ignite throughout the whole box, and then it would go out, and then it would come up again. It would ignite throughout the whole box, and that was interesting to watch. Um, I feel like that was it kind of those gas is igniting it was a kind of an efficient burn to me but i put maybe the, I, I middle of the night i put the baby in front of the wood stove and it's like it's like baby crack watching those flames <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a beautiful thing for me uh my aha moment i've had a, I had a lot of them over the years but it's you don't have to use every piece you can high grade your firewood and i don't mean high grade the forest i mean high grade the stem of the tree that's on the ground Leave when you got when you got abundance. You you know you've got usually have more wood to work with than you're ever gonna burn. You could leave some of it behind. It's it's right. it's got another purpose in the woods. You don't have to burn. You know, cut rounds that are three inches in diameter. Make your cutoff like five inches. Something that you could split and have and still get a good piece out of. Um, crotches. Who cares? Just leave leave it. it in the woods. Right. They suck to naughty, split. Naughty pieces. Na- yeah. Naughty spots, man. Why do it to yourself? Don't. You know? Just go get another tree. And you could actually be doing more good by cutting more trees to further your management goal and get further faster by more of a, of a gourmet approach. <laughs> Taking the best of the tree that's easiest for your purpose. That's what my aha moment has been. Yeah. Well, this has been From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight was in defense of firewood. We've been talking burning wood because tis the season. I'm going to go home, sit in front of my wood stove, and eat some dinner. Same. Good night, everyone. Good night. Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear him in the springtime of a long forgotten year when the wildflowers did bloom in the forest she touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games in an old house on a hillside in some Garden town where the river runs down from the forest with the mighty roar, the big jet soars above the canyon.
never sleeps And to an old forgotten soldier The dawn will come no 